Hey, how about we do everything in a different order this week? This is the Big Finish podcast released on Sunday, the 10th of December, 2023. Q, Tom. Big Finish for the love of stories. I needed time out. I appreciate that, but it's been too long. No reconnaissance, no missions. We're lagging behind. You said yourself that Daleks haven't attacked. Don't you think that's strange? Not really. If the time strategist is gone... We're talking about Daleks. There's always something. They're planning something. Like what? <laughs> oh, there! What? That was hello, backwards in a different uh, order, oh, you see. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah, deviated, Nick, oh, deviated from no. the format, you see. Uh, well, yeah. he- hello, or there. Uh, he's Benji Clifford. And he's Nick Briggs. And if this is your first encounter with Big Finish, what do we do? Audiobooks, audio drama and this podcast, all for the love of stories. And quite a lot of it concerning that legend of British television, Doctor Who. Although we do do other things as well. Nice. Uh, Just one brand new release out this week on the 13th of December, entitled The War Doctor Begins. It features actor Jonathan Carley, not for the first time, performing an uncannily accurate portrayal of John Hurt's portrayal of the Doctor that the Doctor tried to forget and who originally featured in Doctor Who's 50th anniversary special, The Day of the Doctor. The episode we'll be focusing on is The Hybrid's Choice by Ajaz Awad Ibrahim. And the box set of three audio dramas it forms part of will be released this Wednesday, the 13th of December, as I previously mentioned, on CD and digital download. We'll be delving behind the scenes of that story and giving you a sneaky 15-minute drama tease of it later in the podcast. There'll also be our regular features, the Good Review Guy, listeners' emails and the Randomoid Selectatron. Care to explain those, Benji? I certainly can try my best. The Good Review Guy is indeed a, a, a collation of guys and gals who review uh, the stories and tell us their thoughts. Listeners' emails is the same, a collation of different emails from different people all across the globe coming together to tell us your thoughts and and usually hilarious uh, things uh, occur at the same time. And of course the Randomoid Selectron is a machine no less, an intelligent supercomputer which is based in an unknown location which plucks releases from the archives and uh, slaps on a good 20 25% discount as well. It's a lot to unpack there, but hopefully I've done it well. Nice one, nice one. Uh, Let's give a little sneaky peek to what the Randomized Selectatron will uh, select. Okay. Well, uh, that all seems to be clear. Uh, (laughs) So that's what's coming up. Just for fun, we're doing it in a slightly different order this week, and my mind has already gone through the blender, and I'm regretting this bitterly. Uh, So (laughs) the podcast starts here. Uh, let's get random straight away. Benji, please activate the Randomoid Selectatron, an online facility built for us by an avid follower of uh, Big Finish. Uh, you click it and it selects a random release from our website, bigfinish.com, and we give you a 25% discount on it. Okay, come on then. We normally do this at the end. Night of the Triffids. Night of the Triffids. Written by Simon Clark. My friend listened to this the other day, actually, and said it was very, very good. So there you go. You have it to confirm there from my friend Tom. Beautiful. Well, let's have the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, 
When nine o'clock on a spring morning appears so far as your eyes can tell as dark as midnight, then there is something very seriously wrong somewhere. That was the moment when my life, as I had known it for the last 29 years, ended. Right there, on that Wednesday, 28th of May. It remained dark. The sun was dead. And this was the beginning of everlasting night. We love stories. Um, it stars Sam Troughton, who is absolutely fantastic, uh, related to, obviously, part of the Troughton family. You know, Patrick Troughton, Michael Troughton, David Troughton. I don't know precisely what who, who he's, which one he's related to now. Sam is... I mean, he? I can find out if you like. I've got... I feel like he's David's son. That might be wrong. Might be his nephew. <laughs> Correct. David's son. He is yes. David's son. Quite oh, right. Not Peter Davidson. Peter Davidson. Not him, no. Um, uh, and Nicola Bryant, uh, who acquits herself beautifully in this. It is a sequel to... The Day of the Trivers, the famous novel uh, by John Wyndham. And in, um, I can't remember what year it was, but a, a, there's a, details of it on the website. If you go to um, bigfinish.com, you'll find all, all the details in, a, in an article called In the Night Garden. Uh, cleverly <laughs> done there. See what Kenny Smith did there. Yeah, and uh, Simon Clarke wrote in 2001 the official sequel to John Wyndham's The Day of the Trivets. And, it, and he's specially adapted it here on um, for, for us. Interestingly, it says recorded on TBC, so it sounds like it hasn't been recorded yet, but that's not true. <laughs> it, it is certainly available. Are you going to tell us how to get that discount, Nick, whilst I email Jackie Emery? Oh, trouble is you don't know Jackie Emery's email address. <laughs> oh, it's fine. I'll do it. I don't mind doing it. You go to bigfinish.com. It's oh. simple as that. Once you're on there, head to the podcast page. Once you're on the podcast page, it says read more. You want to read more because that's, uh, well, if you don't read more, you won't be able to find out. Once you do that, it says just click here and enter the code buck up. That's B-U-C-K-U-P. Enter that in and you'll receive 25% discount on that one. That's what I would do. Right. It's taking a bit of time to explain this to Jackie because uh, uh, we're actually recording this a week in advance, folks. Just thought you'd it's know. all gone a bit pear-shaped, you see. There we go. I have to say, have a nice weekend next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. How we laughed. Right, there we go. That has been sent off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'd actually written it, Benji, so that you would um, you would make me explain it, but you let me off the hook. Let you off the hook, yeah. Now we've just done that. I feel like the podcast is over, but we've only just begun. We've only just begun. Oh, it's very true. You know, you, you almost took us into a Christmas song there, Nick. 
But anyway, what shall we select next for our podcast carousel? Well, coming up later, we'll be introducing you to the Good Review Guy, even though I kind of introduced you earlier to it. Uh, A selection of great reviews from our gothic horror release, Jekyll and Hyde, uh, which both myself and Nick worked on. Um, It's very much uh, uh, Nick's passion piece, so to speak. But first, let's go behind the scenes with this week's exciting release, The War Doctor Begins, Enemy Mine, with an episode entitled... The Hybrid's Choice. I'm Matt Fitton, and I script edit The War Doctor Begins. How could Case do this? She is Dalek. No! She is human. Only part of her is Dalek. Put it however you like. She's had Dalek DNA implanted. She could do this. And she has done this. So for the last two sets of our War Doctor Begins series comrades in arms and enemy mine we've seen the return of case one of the war doctor's first companions from early on in the series series two warbringer and i thought it was such a brilliant introduction to a character a way of giving this version of the doctor a new kind of um, companion and case herself was such a brilliant creation by uh, tim atak back in that uh, second series Coupled with Ajaz's brilliant performance as well, who kind of seized her by the scruff of the neck and brought her into life, it was irresistible to bring her back and see what has happened to her, what the Time War has done to Case during the course of uh, her adventures. My name's Ajaz and I wrote The Hybrid's Choice and I'm in it. You're all right, you are. Me and you, man. It's me and you. Progress in empathetic development made. I think all writing is tough to a degree. I think there's an element of endurance or, you know, it's like you're doing a marathon or you're training. And I think the more that you do it, the the stronger and the more persistent and disciplined that you get. What I initially did was I wrote how many scenes I needed to have and what I wanted to happen in each scene to make the duration of the story make sense. When I'd kind of done that, I was able to bang out the first draft and there was loads of stuff in the in the first draft that I was like, oh, I really love that bit. I really think that's great. And then you know, Matt read it and gave me some notes and he was like, oh, that doesn't quite fit in Doctor Who or that isn't quite what a Dalek would say and things like that. And so you have to get good at kind of letting go of what you want creatively and serve the the purpose of the job that you've been asked to do, which is you're, uh, you're bringing your creativity, but you're serving it in the parameters of the Doctor Who universe. My name is Jonathan Carley and I play the War Doctor. My name is Beth Chalmers and I play Commander Vecklin. Alrighty. Uh, let's have a go at scene nine. Great, thank you. Recording. We've got to reach them. It's impossible. Energy readings down there are unprecedented. I've done enough waiting. I don't want to make that mistake again. Oh, kill us in the process! Face it, we can't land right now. Then I need to find a time when we can. So this episode follows in the wake of the last episode of Last Box at Memnos, and... The War Doctor believes Case is dead and it's sent him on a bit of a spiral and it's up to Vecklin to get him back into the back into the field and get back into action and take on the Daleks because the war is um, not going well and we believe that both Case and the time strategist have been destroyed but there's there's movement happening and we need to nip that in the bud. And as it happens, there's a suspicion that Case 
might not be as dead as we first thought. So in Enemy Mine, Case has switched sides. She is now trying to commit herself to the, the Dalek cause, having felt rejected by the Time Lords, the Doctor, and unable to kind of locate herself, her own memories, and work out who she was. The one thing that gives her certainty, the one thing that tells her who she is, is, is the Dalek cause. And the Dalek time strategist in particular has found a way to manipulate her and to try and get the best out of this weapon. The way that the episode had ended before, with Case being left, I think I really wanted to bring the emotional human level of Case really into the foreground and and also like, and this is getting quite deep, but in my eyes, Casey's a mixed race person. You know, she's half Dalek and she's half human. And I myself, you know, I'm not two different species, but I'm I'm half Sudanese and half English. And I wanted to bring a part of myself and my experience into the character and, you know, that turmoil of maybe feeling like you don't fit completely in one place or the other place and and wanting to find that place and identity and what does that mean and and actually that these things mean nothing that you're just the fact that you exist and you have friends and family that's the thing that matters and if Case can find that then the idea of her being Dalek or human kind of is irrelevant because that's all she's looking for is family I think it's been really good it's been really interesting and also a lot of fun because in the episodes we've done previously it has been uh, in terms of the scenes we've done it's been myself Vecklin and Case together so the, the three three-hander but there's most of the scenes we have in this episode are just the two of us together and Vecklin's bedside manner perhaps leaves something to be desired but I think it's the tough love he needs to provoke him into doing something because he's not in the best frame of mind because he's mourning, he's grieving and then he finds out the person he's grieving for is still around and possibly can still be saved so he does get distracted and it's Vecklin's problem to sort of keep him on task really to uh, achieve the objective anything to do with cases is, is sort of secondary even though both of us have that shared history with case the character the relationships between us are all absolutely unique and to get hold of this epic release just go to bigfinish.com and type war doctor begins into the search pane at the top to find a selection of our war doctor releases and remember this one is out on wednesday the 13th of december Coming up right now, it's the Good Review Guy, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. This is really doing my head in doing it. In the Strange, moment. isn't it? It's like, it's it's like we've different. slipped into the Inferno universe. <laughs> it is. I'm wearing an eye patch and Benji's got a duelling scar. Um, I um, and, and also the drill's going crazy. Uh, as promised, this week we're looking at Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> A release close to my heart, as Benji mentioned earlier, uh, because I wrote and directed it. Benji did the sound design. I did the music. Yeah, I did the theme tune. Wrote the theme tune. Right, theme tune, theme tune, tune. From Big Finish Productions, Big Finish Classics, Jekyll and Hyde. Oh. Oh. Satisfied. Oh, he's commonplace enough to look at a bit on the short side, but when you do look at him, you wish you had never done it. You wish you could forget. But I can never forget. I'll never forget that face. Never forget what he done. Do not see, sir. They mean to take your life. You are a liar, sir. I beg your pardon. And I did not give it. By all lights, 
and at all hours of solitude and concourse, I was to be found there, waiting. If he be Mr. Hyde, I thought, I shall be Mr. Seek. <laughs> like a blind fool, I welcomed it into my heart, my home, and it very nearly destroyed me. <laughs> oh, Thank the Lord, I am rid of it. Big finish for the love of stories. The moment I choose, I can be rid of Mr. Hyde. And if you want to get it, just go to bigfinish.com and type Jekyll into the search pane at the top to find this one. That's J-E-K-Y-L-L. You might also like to visit our Big Finish classic range for all sorts of classic dramatizations, including Dracula and Frankenstein. I feel like we ought to mention here that uh, we do know that Jekyll is supposed to be pronounced Jekyll, um, but everyone has always said Jekyll, and it's just... It just upsets people to say Jekyll because they don't know what you're talking about. They think you've mispronounced Treacle. <laughs> <laughs> treacle and Hyde, the mm, new a- culinary delights that you can get on dinner tables across the globe. And um, that's exactly what Razor Devro has on their dinner table at SciFiPulse.net. Says here, really? Jekyll and Hyde is yet another superb entry into the Big Finish Classics range. The strength of Nicholas Briggs's adaptation lies in the source material. Unlike sure. other writers, Briggs doesn't seek to deconstruct or embellish the story. He understands that Stevenson's work is a 19th century novella. Consequently, Briggs is content with a less is more approach. Indeed, Briggs eliminates much of Jekyll's exposition. Instead, he increases Inspector Newcomen's role. As a result, Briggs drives the essential narrative with a forensic procedural sensibility. In short, listeners get the audio equivalent of show, not tell. And that's a 10 out of 10. Well, that's Biggly a boom. nice one, isn't it? Thank you very much. I mean, it's it. I sort of did myself a, um, a disservice by talking about how I hadn't changed it much because there was one reviewer, so there's no point reviewing this. It's exactly the same as the book. I remember that, yeah. yeah but, it, but it actually wasn't. I mean, I have changed a lot. I mean, building up the role of the, the inspector it's because um, when I originally wrote this as a stage play it was for a thriller season at the Theatre Royal Nottingham and they asked me if I could create a role they said is there an inspector in it So that, and I said well actually there is but he's only mentioned once um, and I thought but actually yeah he would want to find this stuff out and I thought well what is a good way of you know why would um, Jekyll explain any of this because he's being interrogated because he's being you know questioned and cross-questioned and by this inspector newcomer who kind of follows Jekyll around and tries to catch him out because he realizes something's going on and all that uh, pursuit uh, by the police (laughs) would help if I could speak as well as right um, is entirely invented by me so but I, it does I, work really well. It does. It's it, it's a different. It's like you know. I suppose like they've said really, it's the same story, but kind of a different spin. It kind of yeah. is, you sing it in a new way. But I tried to coax people in by saying, "Oh no, it was extremely faithful." And in a, in a way, it is totally faithful. But you know, when you're when you're doing something in a different form, when it was written down on a page and now has to be acted out in audio, 
You, to make it faithful, you kind of have to be unfaithful. Figure that one out in the family court. Yeah. Anyway, uh, cultbox.co.uk, uh, Ian McArdle says, full-bloodied and uncompromising. This is a terrific rendition of a famous tale. It sweeps you up and keeps you enthralled despite knowing the central premise and will doubtless serve as a great introduction to those studying the text too. Yeah, yeah. That's five stars I got there from Ian McArdle. This is all... You know, I'm not surprised. It's the good review guy, so they're none of the people who, who didn't like it on here. But it's, it did seem to divide opinion, really. Which sometimes is the mark of a good bit of work. Uh, Warpfactor.com, well, Tony Filer, son of Bill Filer and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, says, uh, Jekyll and Hyde from Big Finish is not only a great addition to the company's line of classic tales, it's a thoroughly well-considered authentic rendering of the story, with a new and useful overlay of police drama. John Heffernan gives a performance you need a whole new barrel of superlatives to describe and it would only be the production's just desserts if it became a definitive interpretation of the classic and one that sends younger listeners scurrying away in deeply appreciative terror. You know, you forget when you're adapting something like this. It's like when I adapted War of the Worlds, um, you know, that people, you write it and you dig so far into the disturbing nature of the story and then people turn up to record it and go, this is terrifying. <laughs> it really <laughs> upset me when I read it. I thought, oh God, was it? Oh, I didn't mean to upset anyone. But of course they are upsetting stories in many ways. Um, and the trouble is they've become well known, haven't they? Jekyll and Hyde, War of the Worlds. You know, nobody goes, oh, don't mention that. It upsets me. Time has gone on in such a way as well that almost sometimes the parodies of these things as well or the uh, loose interpretations that we see in film and TV sometimes take over a whole... They almost take over for certain generations. You know, I mean, there's, you know, some people who only know A Christmas Carol because the Muppets did it, you know, and, yes. and things like yes. that. And, you know, it's a strange... I mean, ironically, it's actually quite a good adaptation. But... um but you know, it's it's the similar sort of thing with Jekyll and Hyde. It's it's you know we all know the the business of you know Doctor Jekyll picking up the glass vial, drinking it, and becoming this creature. You know, it's it, that's the vision that you get. But you don't often you don't really know the the full story, I think. And so it's quite refreshing to have something that tells it very closely to how it was intended. And also difficult to tell it when everyone knows what the ending is. You know. The, yes. the twist, the twist is the, when people come to Jekyll and Hyde, they know what the twist is. They know that Jekyll and Hyde is the same person, you know. So, whereas really? of course, when people originally read it, they had no idea, and it was deeply shocking. It's a different, yeah, a completely different thing. That's it for the reviews this week. More soon. In this crazy jumbled up version of the podcast, what is it time for now, Nick? I just don't know, Benji. I just don't know. I'm so confused. <laughs> Come on, think, man. Think. Um, um, listeners' emails. That's right, and you don't need to drink a glass vial full of horrible liquid in order to change into some creature to read these emails. No, all you need is a word processor, uh, an internet connection that is half decent, which is uh, something I don't clearly have at the moment, um, and a good vernacular. And if you can do that, just send it to podcast at bigfinish.com. And that's exactly what Kevin did uh, with the subject this one, Sally Morgan, not to be confused with the psychic. Um, dear Nick and Benji... Uh, uh, we've got a Nick without a K here. Uh, how do you feel about that, Nick? Mm. Um, slighted. 
Slighted. Uh, <laughs> there we go. You've he- you've heard it here, folks. I've got a friend called Nicholas Ridley, who's the son of Arnold Ridley. You know, who was in yes. Dance Army playing Godfrey, and also wrote the brilliant uh, sort of comedy spooky play, The Ghost Train. Uh, and Nicholas spells Nicholas without an H. And he now puts at the end of his email, Nicholas, and in brackets, Nick with an N-I-C. Because I've always oh. shied away from calling him Nick. Cause, yeah. But anyway, yeah. so yeah. when you call someone Nick, you can't say Nick without a K, can you? I mean, I mean you could. There are no rules. I'll try it next time. Uh, thought yeah, you should know, two weeks ago I was at a con in Birmingham celebrating the show DCS Legends. Um, and one of them was Amy Louise Pemberton, Gideon herself. Among other things, Amy signed my CD cover of House of Blue Fire, and she remembers working on it as Sally Morgan. So my question is, is there any chance of Sally Morgan coming back to Big Finish? I've attached my photo of me and Amy. She is. Her hair colour's changed since I last saw her. That's everyone's prerogative. Mm. Um, Here's the trailer, by the way, for House of Blue Fire. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, House of Blue Fire. I can't remember how I got here. Were you expecting me? Of course. See, the thing is, and this is going to sound really odd, but I have no idea where I am. Blue Fire House. Fear, fear, fear. I have a thazagoraphobia. It's the fear of being forgotten or ignored. Confusion, 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 confusion. Catotrophobia, they call it. Nightmares, nightmares, nightmares. Aquaphobia. Darkness, darkness, darkness. All I can tell you is that something ancient and foul has emerged from the wilderness and drawn you into this house. Stop talking in riddles. There are traps everywhere. Don't stand in my way, Doctor. Nothing is what it seems. When should we run? Should we run now? I seem to have made terrible mistake. What have you done? Doctor, where are you? Don't you realise the forces at play in this house are finally bound? Help me! Doctor! No! 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 There is nothing you can do to stop me. Time, Lord. Time. Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com and the answer to Kevin Phillipson's question is yes, there is a chance of Sally Morgan coming back. Oh. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, all I'm going to say is spent a lovely uh, tube ride with Amy. We had a good old laugh. It was very pleasant. Um, oh, she's a lovely person. Such a nice person. Absolutely lovely human being. So, next up, Adam Graham, one of our favourites, has written in, uh, you have ways of making me talk, it's called. If you understand the reference, you'll be chortling. Uh, Dear Nick and Benji, so you had some questions. We did ask some questions uh, two, three weeks ago on the podcast, which no one answered, but Adam has set about the task. As to the 60th anniversary programming, as someone in the States, we've gotten very little here and there off of YouTube, but definitely looking forward to the Star Beast. Yeah, this was sent on the 25th of November, which was when the Star Beast was transmitted on BBC One here, and I thought made available on Disney Plus throughout the world. So where were you, Adam? Uh, 
As to releases I've used to introduce people to Big Finish, probably the best one was when I was going to someone's house for Thanksgiving and she mentioned she loved David Tennant and Catherine Tate and I brought the CD of No Place. To me, that's such a great release because it's got not only those two leads, but Bernard Cribbins and Jacqueline King and captures a wonderful era and has a really fun plot. As a single disc release, it's also not amazingly expensive or daunting for someone new to Big Finish. Of course, it's also one of the best Doctor Who stories of the past decade in any medium, so that makes it a fantastic one to give away. How brilliant. As to Thanksgiving, and we asked, you know, uh, should we have Thanksgiving in a story for Big Finish? I'd really struggle to imagine good Doctor Who, a good Doctor Who plot coming out of it. There are few good Thanksgiving stories in the US these days, what with all our cynicism. Uh, something historical might be interesting, uh, though it'd be more interesting if it weren't the original Thanksgiving, as that's been done a lot. A US Civil War era Thanksgiving declared by Mr. Lincoln might be worth visiting or the confusion in the 1930s and early 1940s when different areas of the US celebrated Thanksgiving on different days. Wow. Then there's Canadian Thanksgiving, which is in October. Hmm. Okay. Good point. It's too confusing. We'll leave it. Uh, I had two questions. He goes on. Over the last few years, Big Finish has had a closing credits read out and I've noticed a variety of people doing the reading. Is there any system as to who reads the credits or is it just handed on a case-by-case -case basis uh yeah the director usually decides who does it and uh if for any reason that the credits changed like the sound designer changed or something and it needs to be redone it's usually me who does it or if they forget or if it was something that was recorded a long time ago when we didn't do the releases a lot of the tom baker ones were recorded in advance so at a time when we didn't do credits. Uh, I, I, in fact, have in my inbox now a little, little glimpse of my everyday Big Finish life, a request to do the credits for a Tom Baker story coming out next year that credits weren't recorded for at the time. Fascinating mm -hmm. fact, Benji? Fascinating indeed, Nick. Okay. Fascinating, so to speak. Fascinating. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Uh, finally, what lost... Doctor Who story, if found, do you think would lead to opinions changing drastically about it? For example, there were many people who viewed Tomb of the Cybermen less favourably once it emerged on video. However, opinion greatly improved of the enemy of the world when that was found. Uh, what story's popularity would rise to the top or dramatically fall if we could actually see it as originally transmitted? Wishing you a very wonderful Christmas and a joyous New Year, Adam Graham. Sent from a room full of Thanksgiving leftovers. So that'd be a lot of turkey and, uh, I don't know, uh, Brussels sprouts with marshmallows or something like that. Yeah. Well, I have an answer to this question, but I'll let yes, you go, go first. Go, go. No, 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 you go for it. Also, the other night I was watching uh, Power of the Daleks, the, mm. um, the animated version, of course, because the actual story doesn't exist. I love that story anyay, mainly, I think, because the Daleks are so evil in it and mm. there's a lot of death and massacre and it's all very exciting. Um, and, I was, and I was looking into, you know, obviously after I'd watched it, I thought, well, I'm going to go now look at all the existing footage of it and mm. kind of cross-reference it, blah, 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 blah. And I saw quite a few people uh, saying something about that that they were saying um some well certainly one person really said i almost hope this doesn't get found because if if the quality of the episode 
is the same as the quality of the clips in which I've seen here. For example, you know, uh, carpal cutouts, wobbly sets and, and Dalek toys. Maybe it wouldn't be such a, a... Maybe it would be awful in retrospect, you know, and look cheap and terrible. And therefore, you mean like old is, <laughs> Well, this is... That was what I was going to say. Uh, they said, you know, maybe it's better this is actually confined to history and that we can imagine what it would be like. Mm. And I thought that was quite an interesting perspective because I, I tend to really look past all those things. I don't take really... Obviously, some things are just, you know, inherently that look terrible but for the most part I look past that and just kind of focus more on the story if anything I quite like the quirks but I found it interesting that there are people out there who actually don't want to see things because they worry it might ruin mentally what they have there yeah yeah. because of course you know when you watch the animations and stuff as well and you you know they've been done in favourably but often as well probably there are elevated production you know things well, yeah, within like that you know the fury from the deep animation the sets are enormous and people are standing miles away from each other well not miles but a long way away from each other and yet speaking in quiet voices um <clears throat> yeah it's a difficult one i did you know the sirens of audio podcast and i they did draw me into talking about the animations and i think they're a very laudable thing and i'm glad they happen and i'm, I'm glad people enjoy them um, but the problem with them is that they don't... Um, well, there are two problems for me. They, the, the potential is for, to overwrite your memory of an actual story. Uh, and they change the story slightly, don't they, sometimes? They change scenes around and they, they... And I don't quite see the point of that. But, you know, because they don't have a, an enormous budget, the, the animation is not as effective as it might be, despite the fact that the people working on it are all extremely talented and work really, really hard. They're great people, and I do admire them greatly. But I feel like they're they're shackled from the from the very beginning because it's it's never going to look. I think they're incredibly ambitious right. for for what they are. Undoubtedly ambitious, you know, and I'm grateful that they exist because obviously it means that one can sit down and watch Power of the Daleks in some form. I mean, obviously before that we had the loose cannon reconstructions, but of course it's um, I don't think you could introduce new viewers to a loose cannon in the same way that you could put on an animation. Of but I, Power but of I the do Daleks. feel that the that the animations do. This this reference may not mean anything to a lot of people listening, but they do err towards being Captain Pugwash. I think I could cope with them being a bit more like a good episode of Scooby-Doo in terms of even, <laughs> even that was, you know, quite primitive animation. But they then they're kind of not even as sophisticated as that. Uh, I suppose you get used to them, but it's I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it's. I can imagine it's probably quite quite an undertaking as well because you are uh, dealing with pre-record. You know, if in a cartoon you'd have all the elements you could mix and you could develop ways, but because of the the, the nature of it, is you know, because you have to take into account, you know, like there'll be you you'll be you'll be hearing people shuffling around doing stuff, but then the actual character isn't doing any of that, and you have to, I think, suspend your imagination. But you know, at the same time. Cutting things and changing things, you know, look what's happened with the Daleks that we witnessed the other day, you know, um, to some fans, it's uh, a heartbreaking thing to see Doctor Who cut down and chopped and things taken out. But then, as some people have said, they've managed to get their children to sit in front of the Daleks, 
you know, and 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 actually get something from that. So you know, I think yeah, it's yeah, like everything in Doctor Who. Uh, it really is a, a matter of uh, a taste and opinion, I think. Yes, exactly. It's got to be a broad church. And the trouble is these days that expressing different opinions has become like a toxic thing because people are very intolerant of other people's views. I'm sure some people will have an allergic reaction to the thing I've said about the animations. I'm you know, very careful to say that I understand the worth of them. You know, they're just... And I did buy the, uh, the DVD or whatever it was of um, Evil of the Daleks. But... Um, well, I think it's okay. It's, it's, it's okay to, to like some things and dislike other things. You know, that's the same thing. What an outrageous suggestion! You know, there will be people out there, as we've, as I've said before, that totally disregard Big Finish as a oh, whole yeah. oh, and and not take that. Just as there are, there'll be people out there that disregarded Doctor Who the second that William Hartnell left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that and that's 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 the real core of it. You know, is like when people say. You know, with new series. Oh, I, I stopped watching when this doctor left. That's fine because that's what people do. They for for certain amounts yeah. of time, things can be relevant. It's like everything. You know, sometimes we all go through phases of loving certain television programs or films or music or something. And I think it comes down to, to and then you reach critical mass and go. Actually, that's enough for me. That's enough. Oh, you might come back years later. Yeah, you might say, exactly. oh, I've been revisiting this and I love it. And that's Doctor Who. You yeah. know and. Uh, you know, um, when, just when I was sorry, at Karen. school, there was a, a, a young lad who was a massive doctor. I mean, massive, massive, really loved everything about it. And then Tom Baker became the doctor. He watched one episode of it and said, I'm out. Yeah, that and that's it. fine. I mean, you know, the most, arguably one of the most popular, certainly the longest lasting reign of a doctor, uh, lauded by everyone. Everyone still talks about the hat, the curly hair, the teeth, the scarf, all that kind of stuff. But this guy... He wasn't John Pertwee, the end, you know. So, you know, it could happen. And someone used to make a joke about some prominent Doctor Who fan. Um, The moment uh, Barbara and Ian left, he was out. (laughs) But that's, again... That's fine. Let him, you know, it's, it's, it's... I remember when Matt Smith, you know, the latter part of Matt Smith's time in Doctor Who, I wasn't watching it as religiously as I had done before because... I was just doing other stuff. I was going out. I was being young and, and doing other things. And yeah, yeah. doesn't mean that I don't like it or I disregard it because I think there are some fantastic stories there. But, but when you say you, know, you watch I, it religiously, does that mean on Sunday? On Sundays, yes, in a church. Um, <laughs> no, you, you know, I'd always watch Doctor Who when it was live and transmitted. But then, of course, you know, there just comes a time where you think, oh, actually, I want to go and do this tonight. I'm going to yeah. do that. And and yeah, I, I think we've deviated slightly from. The, the, the question here but um <laughs> we have you know, yeah. we have but but yeah you know i think like, like everything's really yeah, what would change your opinion well, yeah i don't know i well, think I, mean, the, I think the smugglers would be better than people think it is i'd love to see the smugglers i think that's that's one ironically quite high up on my list of what i would like to see you there's know there's some outmoded um, attitudes to race in it it has to be said but it's a product of its time yes. one has to one has to remember that the 1600s you know, but, yes but then look, look at something like the gunfighters. You know, if if, if, if the gunfighters d- didn't exist in a physical form uh, format and, and we only had it to listen to, can you imagine what people's reaction would be? I mean, I'm just going out on the wheel. I think it's it's a fun story, but it's not that nobody's ever sat me down and said, "You have to watch this. It's the most incredible thing I've ever seen." But you could imagine that in your head, you'd be picturing these sort of incredible Western. Landscapes and wonderful, you know. Possibly, su- but almost no one, almost no one in it 
can do an American accent. Yeah, it's very. <laughs> this is true. Really appalling. Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a cowboy, you know. You know, it's just oh. My yeah, I, ca- I come from uh, Tombstone on Thames. You know, like it's, it's, you know. Oh, but, gosh, um, yes. a great question, Adam. Great question. Yes. Yes. Thank you. And I was one of them as well. I was one of them that was very excited for Web of Fear, not that excited for Enemy of the World in yeah. comparison to my excitement for Web of Fear, but actually changed it round. And I, th- I think that Enemy of the World, out of the two stories, I, th- I much preferred watching Enemy of the World. So, oh. No, I you love know, them both. I love them both, but, but out of those ones, I remember being like, do you know what? That was a really enjoyable watch. Yeah. And so, who Web knows? Web of Fear is so beautifully directed. That's, oh, that's it certainly is. Really well directed, you know, for the limitations of the time. Immense amounts are achieved, I think. Well, I always call it the hammer horror of uh, of Doctor Who, because it has very much those sort of vibes. Some of the Definitely. some of the shots in it are gorgeous. Definitely. Um, I've got one more email here from John uh, Splinis from Florida, who says, Hi, Nick and Benji. Uh, hi, Nick. Hello, Benji. Oh. I love the way we have different greetings now. Yeah. Um, I have one quick question. Are there any plans for more short trips rarities to be released? Thank you from sunny Florida, John Splinis. Well, it's it's so terrible to end on a disappointing answer, which is I don't know. I'd rather suspect not, but I'll try and look into that. Thank you, John. Uh, that's it for the emails this week. Keep them coming. So is that everything then? I suppose it is. Uh, I think it is. Is it? I'm sorry. Do you think it was a bad idea to do the podcast in the wrong order? It felt like we were rifling through a jumble sale, you know, like like just sort of going, what's this? Uh, we'll do that now. You know, uh, what's this? I, I mean, don't know. Have, have um, we forgotten something? We've done... Okay, let's let's work this one. So we've done the randomoid Selectron. That we did done that a good review thing. guide. We've done listeners' emails. Um... We went to be honest, the... I think that is everything. Yeah, we went behind the scenes with, and there's only one release this week, so that's why it feels a bit odd as well. I think because mm. normally there are two. <sighs> okay. Oh well. Yeah. No, that's we'll, we'll sign that one off. In the meantime, though, it only remains for me to say that this edition of the Big Finish podcast was presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. Nick also wrote, produced, and edited it, but not necessarily in that order. <laughs> and of course, Benji and I did this. For the, the love, love of stories. stories. And uh, don't you just love this different music? Oh, it's throwing me off. And finally on the Big Finish podcast, and at last in the right order, it's The War Doctor Begins starring Jonathan Carley, Enemy Mine, and an episode entitled The Hybrid's Choice.
last attempt to force my hand and make me interface with it. Case, I've no other agenda except wanting to honor your choice. And not wanting you to tell And I can prove it. What was said? The proof was. The proof was. What was? If I stayed, you'd die here with me. I'm choosing a side, yes. And it's not the Time Lords or the Daleks. It's you. She knows. She knew. I wouldn't. I would have. What? Simon, no! Doctor! Case! Doctor! Doctor? Case? What? No, Vecklin. What are you doing here? I could ask you the same question. It's nothing. It doesn't look like nothing. Candles. Were you praying? Did you want something? I came here for a little solace from your badgering. Is that too much to ask? Understood. I found a direct route to the Dalek command saucer we've been monitoring. The one with the unusual energy spikes? It's closing on Gallifrey's home system. My battle TARDIS is outside. But if you're not interested... <sighs> right. Vecklin! Target destroyed. Target destroyed. You are making excellent progress, hybrid. Your Dalek siblings are immensely proud of you. That's overdoing it. For praise to really have meaning, it has to be honest and intermittent. Don't lay it on so thick. Noted. Empathetic development made. You're learning, but you're not there yet. The time strategist has programmed me with human emotional engrams to facilitate your interaction with our society. A Dalek facilitator? My own personal therapist? He must really care. Target destroyed. I have noted that it has been a week since you last mentioned the Doctor. Doctor Who? You are exquisitely funny. Uh, again, too much. I can't connect with you if I don't respect you. If you kiss up to me, I can't respect you. Noted. Empathetic development. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Can we just get on with this, please? Of course. The choice is yours, hybrid. <sighs> Target destroyed. Vecklin, I may have been a little hard. It's fine. We just need to get ourselves back on course. You disappeared for weeks. Aren't you bothered? We're still in the middle of a time war. I'm aware of that. Of course I'm bothered. I'm out on my own. The Daleks have been regrouping since Memnos. Barely in advance. And now this. 
Commodore Tamasan assigned us to track them while we're back on Gallifrey. Did she? Or did she just ask you to keep an eye on me? Finally! Engagement! I've had hardly a word out of you, or even eye contact since... what happened. This source has been modified somehow. Unusual temporal readings. Any battle is coming close has been... vaporized. Right. Are you even listening? I'm listening. I know losing case was hard. You don't have to blame yourself. She wouldn't want you to blame yourself. Where did you say that saucer was? Easiest if I take us into the vortex. View it from temporal orbit. As I say, we don't want to get close in actual space-time. You can't avoid the subject forever. Can't I? Hmm. Closer than I thought. Perhaps you should eat something. You haven't eaten in days. Corset. You're avoiding again. Bring it up on the monitor. Very well. Good morning, hybrid. Do you have to scare the living daylights out of me every day? You could take a morning off. That would be a waste of time. Yeah, it's just quite intense waking up to you lot staring at me. Hard to relax when you know you're being watched. I watch over you to protect you. That should give you reassurance. Please eat. Can't you at least pretend to sleep? Might take the pressure off. We do not need to rest. Or eat. You could just pretend, for me, to be nice. Why would it be nice? Because it's nice to do what someone asked you. How is it nice if what is asked is not rational or logical? Look, niceness is subjective. So, ultimately, the concept niceness does not exist empirically. Don't worry about it. To be nice can be defined as to offer pleasure or satisfaction. The greatest pleasure is to exist. The Daleks have provided you with your existence. You are exceedingly welcome. Now eat. Yeah. Great chat. Thanks. I needed time out. I appreciate that, but it's been too long. No reconnaissance, no missions. We're lagging behind. You said yourself that Daleks haven't attacked. Don't you think that's strange? Not really. If the time strategist is gone... We're talking about Daleks. There's always something. They're planning something. Like what? Circling Casturbras for a start. Every outpost in our home system reports sightings, but no engagement. Why not? Why didn't they come after us after you destroyed their weapon? So you do think it was my fault? Not you. Salvin, you know what I mean. Please don't spiral. I just don't think the Daleks would lose a weapon. Her name was Case. Lose Case and sit back. They'll want revenge. It's their nature. We need to hit them before they hit us. 
share your thoughts, hybrid. What is on your mind? I guess it's brought up loads of issues with abandonment. Seems stupid to say, as I've no memory of my childhood, but there's definitely something about being left that pains me. And that has been your main concern since the doctor abandoned you? Mm, yeah. Well, I don't really remember, but yeah, that. And being used. I feel like there's always conditions to someone spending time with me. I suppose that comes from not really having a proper family or the memory of one. How do you know you're loved if you can't remember a kiss or a hug or... That is hard to say. And how does that make you feel? Confused. I mean, the only thing I really know about myself is that I'm a hybrid, which is like a physical manifestation of my confusion, you know? Each half of me is in different worlds, and those worlds are not just different, they're, they're the antithesis of each other. I'm a walking yin and yang. Where's the harmony in that? In human philosophy, yin and yang is harmony. You know what I mean, there's conflict. When there's conflict, it's hard to feel at peace. And the doctor? What about him? Are you missing his companionship? Uh, he's not a friend. A friend doesn't leave a friend for dead. A friend is a friend in actions, not just words. And the doctor is a big sayer. Let's put it that way. What's that? The competency bell. Congratulations, hybrid. You have reached emotional competency. <laughs> Time strategist. Facilitator. Hey, what's this? A proper party? Correct. It is your party. Well done, Case. You are ready for the missions you are created for. We are proud of you. Oh, really? Thanks. You are here because the outside world rejects you. You left us for a time because you were afraid to become whole. To become what you were destined to be. The hybrid has learned that to achieve peace, you must come into the fold. Daleks do not love like humans. Our love is logic. What is true will always prevail, and our truth is that we need you. Only with us can your status truly be secure. When you feel doubt, look to the fact that is the route to certainty. Thanks. That means a lot. There is also a cake. Bring forward the cake. Now, eat it. A cake? Amazing! What kind? Synthesized eggs, flour, sucrose, milk. You are being reborn? It is a human tradition. Cool. For your first mission, you will entirely annihilate tenacity for. <clears throat> What's that? A Time Lord outpost for training, communication and weapon development. You will make landfall with a Dalek squadron, but it is you who will bring your gift of death to the tyrants of Gallifrey. 
you will obliterate mm-hmm. their stronghold. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, obliterate. Mm. Do you have any mm. objection to this task? Nope. Feels like what I'm made for. Any more questions? No? Good. Cake's finished. Let's get these Time Lords. Facilitator, has the program succeeded? My psychoanalysis has given it control and understanding of its human impulses. Case has potential to be a devastating weapon. I have modified this saucer to transport and protect her. Hybrid Dalek and Time Lord technology make her capable of hyper-extermination. Total and utter destruction of the Gallifreyan life cycle. But her systems must be balanced with her human core. She cannot survive with any part excised. Is she truly prepared? The hybrid's therapy is complete. Its humanity will offer no resistance. Clear on approach. Standard command saucer design. But look. Enhanced shielding. Signs of temporal technology on board. Thought I saw something. Most likely a comet, maybe an asteroid or meteoroid. You don't have to fill these silences. Just keeping us both alert. So did your private memorial make you feel better? It's not an asteroid. No. I'm still picturing her. Have you tried not picturing her? You're better off focusing on your work. Shut up a second. No need to be rude. For such a rational being, you really are losing sight of priorities. Can you stand still? What are you doing? Are you seeing that? The source is extending a time corridor. It's crossing the vortex. What? That flare on the star map, what is it? Uh, That's Tenacity 4. Is it? Oh, no. Big finish for the love of stories.